1: What's up, Road of His listeners? It's Colin Kelly here, executive producer of Road of His Radio and one of the co-hosts of the Road of His Overtime podcast. I just wanted to drop by and say thank you, as always, for listening into another Road of His Radio production. As a loyal podcast listener, you can save yourself ten percent off a Road of His NFL Pass right now at rotaviz.com forward slash podcast, or by simply adding the code rvradio twenty twenty one at checkout. That'll get you access to all of the content and tools on the Road of His website, the best tools and content in the business are the best listeners in the business. As always, we do appreciate you listening to each and every show. And if you do have 5, 10, 15 seconds to spare, please drop a rating for today's show on your favorite podcast app. It is much appreciated. With all that said, thank you once again for tuning in. I hope you have a great day. Now let's get back to the show.
2: We're talking Derek Henry and our guest navigates a lightning round on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up,
1: Roto-Viz?
2: To the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin, one of the co-owners at Rotoviz, and I am pumped because I have a special guest with me for this episode. He is a Rotoviz writer and the host of Roster Locked, a Best Ball podcast, Mr. Zachary Kruger. How is it going, my friend?
1: What's up, Dave? It has been a little bit since we've talked. We were uh, bantering back and forth pretty regularly as I worked on getting that best ball show set, uh, set up um, a couple months back. But since then, things have been firing. I've been uh, having the opportunity to have a lot of cool guests on, talk to some people, even have a uh, best ball show, you know, on of biz Radio with Colin Kelly right now, which is also a lot of fun. So things are firing on all cylinders. Uh, you definitely played a giant role in helping me get the some of those things started up. So appreciate that. Happy to be on here tonight. Got some big shoes to fill with Curtis but we'll see how it goes.
2: <laughs> yeah, well I, I am glad to have you. Um I do have to ask, at this point, have you lost track of the number of best ball teams that you will have in the running in twenty twenty one?
1: yeah so i i kind of draft all over the place i i I think if you follow me on twitter you've probably seen some of the different the different teams i've been posting um a lot of underdog fantasy teams a lot of ffpc teams uh just just because of the price point underdog is a little bit more affordable for me to do so it's easier for me to kind of jam in a few of those teams but i've also got a couple of ffpc best ball tournament teams in the running Uh, i have two with sean siegel Uh, if you're familiar with him he seems to know what he's doing when it comes to those Tournaments, so uh, a lot of fun drafting those with Sean. You learn a lot just through talking uh, strategy within behind the scenes, and now we're just going out there and trying to execute it in the draft and hope that we walk away with hundred thousand dollars richer than we were when we drafted.
2: Sean Siegel is one of the best thinkers, possibly the best thinker I have ever encountered. Mm-hmm. In that, no matter what we are talking about, he's able to take a step back, look at it, and see things from angles that I feel like nobody else would like, we can be talking about things that are supposed to be like my areas and not mm-hmm. Sean's areas, like in stuff with running the site and he will just ask the most insightful questions. i will be like, Oh my God, like, I can't believe I never thought of that, but Sean yeah. did. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so no matter what you're dealing with, especially fantasy football, Sean is definitely going to, uh, teach you some things when you're talking with him, but Oh yeah. I am very excited because we get to talk about the Chicago Bears backfield. Uh, a team that I kind of stumbled over for everybody that listened to me try to talk about on Tuesday. Maybe it didn't seem like it, uh, but I stumbled over it in that I was just confused by this backfield, and I think that I still am. So I am looking for somebody to help me out here. Uh, just to recap. My points were that this backfield is kind of confusing as to what you do with it. I'm hoping that David Montgomery could make his way into the seventh round to be a zero running back type of target for me. I had been interested in Tariq Cohen to some extent on zero running back teams, but it looks like there might be some lingering injury issues. I know we talked about that before the show. Then, of course, you have Damian Williams, a player that historically I have liked, took last year off due to covid We have these three players here. They're positional ADPs. You have David Montgomery at RB20 going around 38.5 overall. Cohen's going at RB51 at 162. Then you have Damian Williams all the way down at RB64 with an ADP of around 24, or excuse me, 241. Montgomery's ADP has been fairly flat. Uh, We've seen Cohen start to creep up lately, Williams to some extent. Do you have any major feelings, Zach, about this backfield? And what do you make? How are you approaching the Chicago uh, backfield?
1: Yeah, so I think you, you bring up a really interesting question, and I'm not sure that I'm going to give you the most clear answer in terms of uh, investing any kind of true confidence in this backfield, but I'm going to do my best here. We'll see how we come out on the end, of, other end of this thing. But starting first with David Montgomery, last year he was, I believe, the overall running back four in total fantasy points, which was a rather unexpected finish, somewhat buoyed by the fact that Tariq Cohen suffered a torn ACL in like the first or second week of the season, which really kind of paved the way for Montgomery to become that de facto three down back for the Bears. Uh, you know, he the only time he was pretty much coming off the field was for a breather. Uh, the expectation now is that Tariq Cohen comes back, which is, you know, why he's going around the running back 51 right now. There was recent news that came out that he may not be fully recovered from this torn ACL that he suffered. So I actually think that his ADP is going to start to dip over the next couple of weeks. There's some rumors that he could be possibly going on the physically able unable to perform list or for those who maybe uh, navigate that a bit in an easier fashion the pup list Uh, he could be going on the pup list so Tariq Cohen's ADP I expect to fall a little bit and Damian Williams is a guy who you said you were high on him I I like taking Damian Williams you know in 2018 where I could get him I thought he had a chance to be a value he obviously I'm sorry in 2019 and then he missed the 2020 season you know he he opted out of the season because of COVID so uh, I think Damian Williams is about to turn 29 or 30. So he's, you know, certainly kind of past that age where running backs start to decline, but he did miss a season. Um, he's in an offense that I think could be difficult to project given that we don't quite know what the Bears are going to be doing with Andy Dalton or um, Justin Fields. But I think the thing that I try to do most with these offenses where we have so many questions about the running back position is I try to capitalize on the running back who I think I could um, logically think out a role for um, and who is coming at the best value. So when I look at someone like David Montgomery and Tariq Cohen, if we just start there, David Montgomery, I would at least assume, and you can tell me your opinions on this. I would assume that David Montgomery is probably like the early down grinder back if Tariq Cohen is healthy. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would. Yeah, so I would I start there. Definitely do, yeah. Yeah, so I start there with David Montgomery, and then Tariq Cohen is you know the traditional you know third down pass catching back. Um, where I think the situation gets interesting is if something were to happen to David Montgomery. Uh, you know maybe he maybe he's just not playing well Um, it's not like he's the most impressive back on the field but maybe something you know even happens where something you know he goes down because of an injury and now we're looking at Damian Williams possibly being thrown into a starting role and Damian Williams who can also catch passes perhaps serves a little bit more of a role than Tariq Cohen does if Williams was ever to replace David Montgomery um, in the offense on any given week or any any given stretch or maybe Montgomery misses time I think that Damian Williams James has a chance to surprise people and perhaps be a little bit more of a force in this offense than we're expecting. And then even if Tariq Cohen is out again, you know, rumored that he might start the season on the pup list. If that's the case, I think Damian Williams could possibly serve a little bit more than just a third down pass catching role um, and even spell David Montgomery on some early downs if he proves to be effective running between the tackles and, and taking carries in addition to catching, you know, the ball out of the backfield. So I think Damian Williams is a is an interesting pick at his ADP. It's 241.8 overall in FFPC best ball leagues right now. I think there's a chance that he could kind of surprise people and prove to be that value that no one really saw coming. Um, And at his ADP, we don't even need him to be like a league winner. We just need to hit it once or twice during the season for him to even pay off at that spot. So I I like his price. I don't think that offense is going to be so great that we need to worry about investing high picks in David Montgomery as the overall running back 20.
2: Yeah, that's actually a a really interesting point. And listening to you talk kind of helped me coalesce some of my thoughts. So I'll go through these quickly because I'm sure people are tired of listening to me talk about the Bears backfield. Uh, But Montgomery, I do think that even if this team does have somewhat of a timeshare heading into the season, Montgomery looks like he should have enough of a workload to vie for being like an RB, you know, late end RB1, low end RB2, RB1 maybe on some fantasy teams. Uh, And then to Damian Williams, I do like some of the points that you brought up. I think that he is pretty talented. You know, we do start to worry at this point in his career. Uh, but given that really low ADP, that really low price for him, he is interesting. And sometimes you'll hear people talk about crowded backfields and they'll say, I'm just going to avoid it. I don't Mm -hmm. think that's always the right approach because if the player that is least expected turns into something, that is how you set your team apart. So, you know, like I think that Damian Williams is one of those players that if things were to go right, you know, could make a big difference. Um, in having a piece on your team that you really did not spend much at all, but could be usable. Um, so I, I would just kind of caution anybody that's thinking that you just avoid this backfield altogether. You know, maybe that isn't the right approach. Maybe it's you go after Williams. If we don't see Dave and Montgomery go in your draft at a, at a, at a reasonable
1: point. All right, Dave. So one other thing that I did want to talk to you about, where we're talking about David Montgomery, is something that I think we maybe need to also factor into his price, and that would be the idea of Justin Fields perhaps starting more games than not for the Bears. Um, you know, he's a super athletic quarterback. I think he ran like a 449 40 forty-yard dash or something like that at his pro day. Um, do you have any concern about if Justin Fields does play that David Montgomery at his overall running back twenty, uh, you know, positional ADP? Because becomes even less of a value because we now have to factor in the rushing upside that Justin Fields is going to bring to this offense. And that would only, I think in my opinion, make the, the other ambiguous pieces of this backfield look like a little bit better of a value. Now realizing that I don't have the highest draft capital invested in a running back who may be losing carries to the quarterback.
2: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, And it's one that I really don't have a good answer for. Because it's easy to see scenarios in which the presence of fields hurts Montgomery. Maybe it takes away opportunities too, where, uh, you know, Dalton might just dump it off and Montgomery is able to get, you know, a a short yardage reception uh, at a couple yards after the catch. But at the same time, it's possible that we see an Andy Dalton who at this point in his career just can't make the Bears offense function. very well and then as a result you bring in a young exciting player like Justin Fields who if he's as good as it seems like he could be or even somewhere on that scale makes this offense improve to the level where it's giving Montgomery more quality touches I Mm. don't really know so because there's so much uncertainty there I just kind of again go back to considering that full range of outcomes for Montgomery and that's how I approach it uh but I do think that you bring up a really good point that I haven't even mentioned yet. And it's the identity that this team is going to have the way that they Mm -hmm. operate. And obviously who's playing quarterback is a piece that's very hard to, you know, formulate in your head, what that's going to look like. So that's another reason why, uh, it's, when I'm drafting these players on this team, you know, I'm hoping that I'm able to find them in drafts or when I'm taking them, it's probably going to be when I would get them a little bit later than they normally would be. Cause you're right. There's a lot of ambiguity. We're
0: driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data,
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I, that just something else I thought would be factoring and worth maybe mentioning just to get your thoughts on that.
2: More fun is the lightning round that we are about to enter. So are you ready for the lightning round? I am going to ask you a yes or no question, and you have about 30 seconds to elaborate on it. I had in the notes that I was going to cut you off, but those are for Curtis. I will not cut you off, but I will ask you to be brief. Can you do that for me?
1: I'm going to do my best to stick within the 30 second time frame. Do you, <laughs> you, you have high expectations for one of the goats. I'm going to try to match the goats stats today and stick within that 30 second time frame and see what we can do. So I'm ready. I want you to hold me accountable. <laughs> All right. I love it.
2: All right. <laughs> All right. Remember, I need a yes or no answer. The 10 tam- yes. and these are focused on 2021 redraft. The Tampa okay. Bay Buccaneers will have three wide receivers finish in the top 36. Yes or no?
1: I'm going yes with this one and just doing a little bit of research before the show. Last season, the wide receiver 36 in PPR per game was Kenny Galladay. He averaged 13.16 PPR. In 2020, Antonio Brown averaged 14.6 PPR um, with the Buccaneers. That was in only eight games. But I think that there's a chance that Tom Brady's going to give him enough targets to perhaps give him a wide, wide receiver 36 finish, which is all we're asking for. So I think that could happen. Guy won Evans are slam dunks for at least top 24, probably a lot better than that.
2: I've talked about it. I have big things in my mind for AB and these Tampa Bay wide receivers. So I like it. All right. Antonio Gibson at RB 12 is a better draft pick than Jonathan Taylor at RB seven. Yes or no.
1: I am going yes again with this one Um, before the injury that he suffered against the Steelers. in I believe week 13 uh, Antonio Gibson was averaging 16.9 PPR per game. His overall finish for last season is not reflective of what he was doing when he was healthy. They kept on running him out when he was injured with that turf toe before that injury, he was actually pacing to be, I believe the overall running back for just ahead of David Montgomery. So, at this price point right now, I think Gibson has a chance to perhaps be the um, you know, the, the lead running back for the Washington football team. I don't think he's going to be put off the field as much. I think he catches more passes. I think his ceiling is the overall, overall RB1 if things go really, really well for him. Uh, but I think top five is probably a lock if he stays healthy. Wow.
2: Well, I'm not going to argue with that answer because I do think that the correct choice here is Antonio Gibson. And that is because, as I always talk about, If you consider their distribution, so not just their low end and their high end outcome, but where most of their outcomes fall in between their low and their high, I think there's a pretty significant overlap in that high end between Gibson and Taylor. Is it more likely that Jonathan Taylor finishes as the RB1? Yes. But each of them, I think, have a pretty similar distribution of landing somewhere between like RB5 and RB12. So, given the delta between where their ADP is, I think it makes Antonio Gibson the answer. Now, this isn't so much a question about should you be taking Antonio Gibson over Jonathan Taylor. I just used it more as a question to help contextualize what we might be thinking about Antonio Gibson. Sounds like we are both pretty high on him, as I think Curtis is as well, and some of the other guys at Rotoviz. Kyle yeah. Pitts, if he finishes as tight end four, will be a disappointment. Yes or no?
1: Uh, no, he will not be a disappointment as a tight end for right now. And a lot of uh, drafts, he's going around the tight end four, so that would kind of be meeting his ADP and where he's expected to go. The Falcons have been one of the most pass heavy offenses in the league for the last several years. I don't see that changing, uh, given that their lead running back is 48 year old Mike Davis. <laughs> uh, I think that, and then the Julio Jones trade just took place. So he's no longer there. I think Kyle Pitts is probably, you know, the, the second best target in that offense at worst. Um, You know, Calvin Ridley is going to be the number one. I also think Pitts is going to be lining up a good bit at wide receiver and not always as your traditional tight end, which is hopefully going to open it up for him to see more targets than we're perhaps anticipating him for. So if he finishes as tight end fourth, that's about where he's being drafted. I don't think you can be disappointed in that.
2: Yep. Now, let me just shift this a little bit. Let's say that um, he's being drafted as the tight end four. Do Mm -hmm. you think do you feel good about I know I'm kind of going off of the lightning run here, but do you feel good that he finishes somewhere around there? Or would you say that it's more likely we see him finish maybe closer to like tight end eight tight end
1: nine? This is like one of the toughest questions I've been wrestling with all offseason because I I want to get some Kyle Pitts in the hopes that he is, you know, what we're drafting him as. Uh I do have concerns that he won't be, just given the historical nature of the tight end position and being kind of tough for some players to um adjust to being a, a good fantasy tight end in the league, uh, in year one. But I think that right now, um, You know, he's a player who I'm taking with the understanding that I might not get where I'm taking him at. But I'm kind of also telling myself that even if that doesn't work out, that hopefully I'm building a a solid enough roster where if he is finishing a little bit below ADP, as long as it's not too far, it shouldn't hurt my roster too much. If that makes that makes sense.
2: Yeah, it does. The thing that I would say to people that are going out and drafting Kyle Pitts aggressively (laughs) is you're going to have to contextualize it. In terms of points scored per game and not where he finishes in terms of tight end rankings at the end of the season, because Mm -hmm. there's pretty much three tight ends that are, if he were to outscore them in a, in a season where everything went, you know, okay for them and they didn't miss large stretches, that would be insane. And then you still have guys like Hawkinson, Mark Andrews. Uh, and some other established players. So I think that you're probably going to see Pitts fall into this range where a lot of tight ends are tightly grouped. Um, which is one of the reasons I'm cautioning people against over drafting him because the odds that he separates himself from some of these other players enough to finish as tight end four are you know fairly slim. Um, and even if he does finish in that sphere, it doesn't you know, you're taking on a lot of risk going after rookie tight end regardless of how talented he is um you know so you might be taking on that risk versus the gain that you could get even in a very good outcome uh you know it might be fairly small against options you could get that uh come at a lower price tag final question in the lightning round i would rather have sam darnold than ben roethlisberger as my team's quarterback to start the season yes or no
1: I'm going no on this one uh, I don't I don't love Ben Roethlisberger but the one thing that I think is interesting I heard it on a podcast the other day I wish I could remember who said it hopefully if they hear it they can you know call it out but one thing that's interesting and I'm going to miss the lightning round on this so I apologize in advance but one thing that's interesting is when you look at Steelers wide receiver ADPs right now and as far as best ball league goes I'm assuming it probably matches redraft pretty closely you have uh, all three wide receivers Juju, Deontay, and Claypool all going as wide receiver 30 or higher Ben Roethlisberger ADP is in no way shape or form right now at reflective of Um, three wide receivers who are all going to finish that successfully. So I think I need to be a little bit more um, invested in Ben Roethlisberger going forward over these next couple of weeks, realizing that if I believe in some of these wide receivers, which Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, I do. um, My success in them is going to depend on Ben Roethlisberger. So what I had heard said the other day, which I agree with is that if we're going to draft these wide receivers as high as we are, we kind of have to realize that their success is going to come with by way of Ben Roethlisberger. We're, we're, you know, kind of subconsciously investing in Ben Roethlisberger, even though we don't necessarily say that if we're not picking him, I think that we need to, um, if we're believing in these wide receivers, I think we need to go ahead and kind of, you know, be okay with taking Ben Roethlisberger as perhaps a QB two um, or QB three in best ball drafts. And, you know, as a QB two, maybe it's a streaming option in a redraft draft league since that's kind of what we're talking about.
2: Yeah. So we've definitely seen the market correct on Ben Roethlisberger. He's now being priced at a player that is not the player that he formerly was uh having said that i do think that it's important to keep in mind that we see it many times where a quarterback does not need to be a good nfl quarterback to be a good fantasy player now we could we could you know talk about how good of a nfl passer ben roethlisberger is at this point but it might Mm -hmm. not matter um from a fantasy perspective. And of course, playing with these three wide receivers certainly does help. Now that's not me making a big case for Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, but I do think that I'm going to end up with him as the quarterback on some of my teams just Mm -hmm. because of how cheap he is at, he is now, um, you know, in pretty much all formats. Um, I do think though that Sam Darnold might surprise some people this year, which feels weird to say, um, I, I think I might just be more into Carolina than other people, but that's probably a longer conversation. But before I let you out of here, it is time to... Ah, man. Wrong sound effect. Let me stop that. <laughs> and no, I'm not going to edit that out. All right, it's time for... A price check drop. All right, we are going to talk here about Derek Henry. I want to talk about him... In the context of both Dynasty and Redraft, we're not going to have as much time to talk about Henry as I wanted, so we'll try to be brief. The summary here is he's now 27. He's played five seasons. It's interesting when you look at his distribution of point scoring. In the last three seasons, in 32% of games, he's actually gone under 10 points. He's only gone between 21 and 25, 6% of the time but he's gone for more than 30 in 19% of games if you look at this man's uh weekly point accrual in the stat explorer it's insane some of these green bars 27 40 38 36 25 37 i mean this guy is a big game monster um last year Put up 5.4 yards per carry. You know, obviously we don't care about that stat too much at the site, but that's still exciting. Uh, 2018, 12 touchdowns, 16 in 2019, 17 rushing touchdowns last year. The man is a monster, went over 2,000 carries. Curtis and I, in the new dynasty rankings, both have assigned him (laughs) a two, which means we view him at this point in dynasty formats as being equivalent to two first round picks. When we talk about Derrick Henry heading into the upcoming season, um, I have to assume that you still view him in that kind of top five, top, top six type of range, but do you also have any thoughts about how fair it is to expect him to sustain this for another two seasons.
1: I do for a couple of reasons. I mean, number one is obviously the age. We know that the age that Derrick Henry is at right now is right around the time you start to see running backs drop off a little bit in their production. Um, And then on top of that, his carries and his overall rush volume especially these last two seasons have just been absolutely ridiculous I mean you're looking at a guy who had over I think 400 opportunities last season yeah 409 last season 328 the year before he's a guy who is now 27 he's starting to reach that age where the decline is likely coming Um, it could be at any point in time now I don't expect it to be in 2021 but 2022 that could be very well possible and then on top of that he just has a lot of, of mileage he has a lot of awareness tread right now. He's been leaned on by the Titans for the last two years in a row to grind out games in a big way. Some of those high scoring games are reflective of the tremendous volume that he's been receiving and I do have a little bit of concern about Derrick Henry going forward in terms of how much longer can he sustain this for. He's not one of these guys who has gotten by on shifty run plays and avoiding tacklers. He's, as a matter of fact, the exact opposite. He he runs through guys. He throws them aside. You know, he. They, you can probably go find a five minute highlight reel of Derek Henry Henry just throwing cornerbacks from left to right across the field as he's rumbling down the field. Um, he's a violent runner and that does not obviously hold up as well as those more elusive guys who can maybe avoid contact. Derrick Henry tends to embrace it. So um, between his age, his volume and his running style, I do question how many, how many more years he can sustain this level of success. I think that the, the downturn is coming. I just hope that it's not in 2021. I've been selecting him periodically in some drafts, um, you know, wanting to have hopefully that upside, but um, Derek Henry is someone who I'm, I'm definitely, you know, keeping an eye out for. And when, when that drop starts to take place, I want to kind of be ahead of it a little bit, hoping that I can find someone to dump him off to who maybe hasn't been quite as awoken to the situation as I think I would have been at that time.
2: Yeah. So, It's interesting with Henry as to how I get to what's a pretty good valuation for him. I think for me, it's because I expect him to be so good this year and there's a potential for him to still be pretty darn good heading into next year as well that he's worth it because we don't have many running backs like him. Now, the Mm -hmm. things that you don't like are the fact that he also is not a pass catcher. So if he starts to lose one element of his game, it's not like there's multiple ways that he can produce points. Um, You know, we've seen it now so many times. Todd Gurley, probably the most recent example of when a running back falls off. They just really fall off. So I think that if you're going after Henry in Dynasty or you currently own him, you're doing so on the premise that you need this top-level running back for a season 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 and a half beyond that it's you know maybe a dangerous proposition to be expecting much more having said that i do think he's a player that will always have a role because even as he starts to roll down as an every down type of back or the type of back that's going to see 400 carries a season you're probably still going to see him getting work at the goal line right so he probably always have a job like that In that regard. Um, But beyond that, I mean, you just don't see a lot of running backs anymore putting together six plus years of elite production. So you're definitely approaching the end of it. At this point, for me, like I said, Henry is a guy that you have on your roster, you go and you get if you're vying, or if you really want that elite running back plan on for maybe another year, year and a half is how I'm approaching it. So I think we're fairly on the same page there. Redraft players, I do expect him to be really, really exciting this year.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I'm with you. I, as far as redraft goes, I think you're fine with taking him as ADP with Dynasty. Um, to kind of sum up what you're what you're saying and you know and agreeing with you, I think that you're looking at him in Dynasty. If you think you have a window of about two years where you can win a championship, then going out and looking to maybe acquire Derek Henry if you don't have him, because it would probably be okay. You can trade him for that 2021 first if you haven't had you know your rookie draft yet. You can maybe trade him for your 2022 first as well if you think the value that he's going to return to you is that of a league winner who's going to provide that last piece to your dynasty roster and get you that championship then i think you go ahead and do it but you don't get so heavily invested that you're you know kicking yourself for having invested too much into him realizing that he could definitely be on the back end of his career by 2023
2: awesome so we will have now i gotta ask when you're Mm -hmm. talking with your friends what do your friends call you? Do they go full name? Do they go Zachary? Do they go Zach? Do you have a nickname? What do they go with?
1: So in college, you know, my last name's Kruger in college. It was Krugs. Okay. Um, just carry in college. It was Krugs. Um, most of the time, anyone else, it's just Zach. Uh, and then, my middle name is Daniel. So my dad will sarcastically call me Daniel at times. So it, it, it depends. I'm a man of many names. <laughs> I'll, I'll accept any and all. Um, but yeah, you, it, I, I always thought Krug's was kind of cool. It keeps me young, you know, get, get, getting as I, as I now get to, uh, <laughs> approaching my age 31 year getting called Krug's by people kind of keeps me young, sounding, sounding hip. Like I do have a nickname, but I'll, I'll take any of them. Zach, Zachary, it, It's fine.
2: (laughs) I'm very disappointed in myself that when you first started talking to me about Roster Locked, Mm -hmm. it did not even cross my mind that maybe we should try to work in some type of Freddy Krueger branding into the whole thing.
1: Yeah. Well, and you know, uh, if, any, if anyone does ask me my name, um, you know, like if I tell them my last name is Kruger and they, they don't quite hear me, I let them know it's Kruger like Freddy. So I, I, I'm, I'm quick to use that as a reminder and people tend to uh, pick up on that pretty quickly and, and understand where I'm coming <laughs> from if they don't hear me correctly the first time.
2: Awesome. Well, it sounds like you've agreed I've roped you into joining me for one more show that we'll be posting on Friday. Is that correct, sir?
1: Uh, yeah. Yep. I, I will be back on for the next show. Um, we're going to get a show sheet together here and prep a little bit for that one. Hopefully this preparation was adequate enough for it. It was fun talking with you. Uh, we'll be back for one more, uh, later on this week
2: thanks for listening to the roto fantasy football show don't forget to rate review and subscribe follow us on twitter at dave Cabin ff and at c patrick nfl email us at roto ff show at gmail.com visit roto forward slash podcast for more information on listener only discounts and until next time thanks for stopping by